everyone, today in this episode I will be talking about animation and 60fps software. I will first start off with the definition of animation that I will be using today. Animation has many different definitions, uh, many of which uh, are similar to interpretations of people's own, but for this specific episode I will be using the definition of putting the illusion of motion into something that is not actually in motion. And of course by this definition, uh, things such as live action films would also count as animation, which in my definition, uh, according to me, or at least in my opinion, they do because it is again putting motion into something that is not in motion. And these films, although appear to be in motion, are not actually in motion because they are just a series of pictures taken from real-life events that are put sequentially. And the next topic is the history and evolution of animation. So early devices, very very early on, uh, such as discs that were found somewhere in the Middle East uh, that depicted a goat nibbing on a tree. And again, this was on a hollowed out circular disc, so it was believed that uh, this disc would be spun, and it was believed that this was an early attempt at animation. Uh, another example of this are cave etchings or drawings that depict humans and animals with multiple limbs, and it is thought that the flicker of the flames that would illuminate these cave drawings, carvings, or etchings uh, would sort of give off the illusion of uh, flickering limbs as well, giving a bit of animation to these etchings. And of course, far far beyond after this, uh, early devices for animation such as the phenakitoscope, uh, zoetrope, or flipbooks, they were invented uh, to as sort of a precursor to animation. Uh, but the very first sort of theatrical piece of animation that could be projected onto a larger surface was uh, the Théâtre Optique, which is just French for optical theater, which I will now be using from now on because I'm pretty sure I butchered the French pronunciation of that. And the optical theater was basically just a series of illustrated transparent uh, illustrated transparent papers that were uh, projected onto a screen or a wall using artificial light and uh, these were also played manually in sequential matter again to give the illusion of animation to these illustrated drawings and Eventually, uh, once the cinematograph was founded or invented, uh, the first very very early versions of animations, or at least illustrated animations, were a were stop tricks uh, that were used for these films created by the cinematograph. And stop trick is basically just drawing something uh, onto the frames that were created by the cinematograph to sort of perhaps add a creature or uh, perhaps make an object appear or disappear uh, from that film. 
and of course, uh, eventually this transitioned to fully illustrated films, uh, I mean uh, fully illustrated frames that were played uh, using old-fashioned cinematographs. And eventually uh, this evolved into sort of its own thing, but uh, at the very beginning these kinds of animations were very stiff uh, because again this was very early on and uh, people had not yet known how to express fluid motion into illustrated animation. Uh, but interestingly enough, the very first example of, say, fluid animation was a sort of copy of an actual real-life dancer that had recorded footage, and they basically just traced over this real footage of a jazz dancer, and Eventually, this became the very first piece of fluid animation that did not appear to have stiff limbs on the characters. And eventually, uh, this certain footage of the jazz dancer became very synonymous for uh, creating fluid works of animations. And a lot of individual creators and companies uh, replicated uh, this footage uh, of the jazz dancer onto animation as a sort of trial or attempt or precursor again to fluid animation. Uh, eventually uh, the 12 basic principles of animations were founded from uh, the evolution and the improvement of animation during that time which I believe was around the 1920s and eventually uh, animation became quite popular, or at least well-known, uh, particularly for kids or children. And from this, uh, many companies and many creators had obviously prospered. And once Disney left the company he worked for to start his own company, uh, he became a huge success with shorts such as the original Mickey Mouse and of course uh, because of this huge success he eventually landed a deal with a certain company called Technicolor and this eventually led to him uh, sort of making all these illustrated animations uh, colored and of course previously uh, there were colored animations before Disney did it uh, but once Disney struck the deal with Technicolor and made most if not all his animations in colored forms uh, colored animation sort of became an industry standard and eventually uh, once sound syncing was introduced to film uh, Disney would also utilize this and again because of the founding of sound synchronization onto film uh, music synchronizing music onto pieces of animation also became a sort of industry standard and around this time uh, I believe it was the 19 I believe it was still in the late 1920s uh, when this happened and around 1937 is when the very first uh, very big 
animated film came out, which was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, again made by Disney. And Disney actually invested a lot of his money and time into the production of Snow White, and with only sparing himself very cheap living spaces and very minimal food. Uh, people and experts of the animation industry actually sort of mocked Disney for it, uh, even calling the Snow White project Disney's folly as they thought it would never work. And eventually, of course, this became to this became a huge hit uh, amongst people. But during the process, it was very tedious considering they were rotoscoping almost every frame of the film. And rotoscoping is basically just tracing over actual live-action footage, uh, similar or precisely like uh, the earlier example I mentioned with the jazz dancer uh, being traced over to create the very first uh, fluid animation. And of course, because of one, the capture of live-action footage, and two, the tracing over of live-action footage, of course this was very expensive. And that is why Disney basically put all his money and all his investors' money into the production of Snow White. And because of this huge hit, Disney's company eventually grew even bigger and eventually during the 1960s, if I'm not mistaken, they went on to make all of the Disney classics such as Cinderella, uh, Cinderella, Snow, uh, 101 Dalmatians, uh, Little Mermaid, uh, of course uh, there are many other examples that I can't mention right now. But fun fact about Snow White is that it was the first animated film to actually have synchronized dialogue in it, uh, which is why it was such a big hit and why it was so revolutionary at that time. And eventually, because of this boom in animation uh, caused by Snow White and all of the other Disney films produced, animation in general became very well known not only in America but also across the world, with uh, Japan adopting their own style of animation, which would later be named anime, and of course, uh, eventually anime grew to be very, very successful, uh, even, I believe, reaching, reaching mass popularity in the West right now. Uh, and eventually animation just grew more and more and eventually around 1995 the film Toy Story was introduced and this was the very first film produced using 3D CGI animation uh, instead of the usual or typical 2D illustrated animation and at the time the release or, product, or even just production of Toy Story was absolutely revolutionary because at the time uh, they had not yet developed the technology or techniques 
to make say a very smooth circular object in three in 3D CGI animation uh, because I believe in 3D CGI animation uh, they use very geometric shapes uh, such as cubes and cuboids which is why at the time it was very hard and I believe even now that circular objects are still made with overlapping several pieces of cubes and cuboids I believe. Uh, but yes, because of this uh, release of Toy Story, uh, 3D animation became a huge hit, and even more so because of the 2001 release of Shrek. Oh, also fun fact about 3D animation, uh, because at the time, or at least back then, uh, making a very smooth circular object was very difficult. Uh, the very first circular object that was made was, I believe, a teacup by, uh, a, by a company called Pixar, founded by Apple's CEO. Uh, and I believe even now, uh, 3D rendering of that very same teacup resides in the Pixar Studio Museum. But uh, anyways, moving on, uh, because of this mass hit in 3D animation, 2D animation kind of had a phase where it died down in the sort of early 20th, uh, in the 20th to very, very early 21st century. But of course, these two, uh, say, branches of animation would eventually grow to be their own respective and separate branches. And moving on, the next topic will be variations or different types of animation. Uh, for this I will specifically be excluding live-action captured footage or uh, say footage of real people uh, uh, in motion. Uh, so the first variation of, two, of animation is obviously, uh, as I mentioned, 2D illustrated animation. Uh, of course, because of this 2D medium, uh, it is very versatile uh, and only limited to, say, what a person can draw. Uh, and same could be said with the next variation, which is 3D CGI animation. Although I believe 3D CGI animation requires a lot more computer power, whereas 2D animation requires a lot more manpower to sort of uh, draw all of the frames required for 2D animation. Whereas 3D animation is all just rendered using <coughs> uh, the movements of those 3D models themselves uh, on a computer screen uh, instead of individually drawing frames. And another very interesting variation of uh, animation is stop-motion animation. Uh, stop-motion animation is, I would say, very similar to uh, live-action footage because it captures real objects, uh, it captures images of real objects and puts them in sequential manner. 
and of course uh, typically stop motion animation would be uh, used in the form of say clay figures uh, and these figures would be moved bit by bit with each say pose or position of that uh, figure being uh, taken a picture of and of course these pictures would eventually be put in a sequential manner again to create uh, the illusion of motion a very famous uh, example of this would be uh, the film Coraline where they use uh, where they use clay models uh, for the characters uh, and give them sort of a cartoonish look uh, although the difference between say uh, claymation or I mean stop-motion animation and 2d and 3d animation is that for one uh, claymation uh, can unlike 2d animation is captured with real cameras and you know just real images but uh, the difference with 3d animation is that because it's captured in real life the textures and lighting of these clay figures are obviously very realistic and obviously give a very different uh, sort of feel to these pieces of animation using stop motion and of course because uh, these figures are moved bit by bit and they can't be as detailed as uh, say uh, 2d illustrated animation or 3d cgi animation uh, the end result is sort of much choppier than what is typically seen in 2D or 3D animation. Uh, and these are the variations of animations that I will specifically be talking about today. I'm sure there are many other variations of animation. Uh, but I want to talk about, say, uh, interesting examples of uh, pieces or films of animation that are made using one method but result in the feel or the looks of a different kind of animation. Uh, one example that comes to mind is Kubo and the Two Strings, where they use stop-motion animation using clay figures or claymation, but uh, the transitions between frames is so smooth that it actually looks like 3D CGI animation. Uh, but obviously the difference would be the textures of these clay figures and of course again the realistic lighting of these figures but it is just absolutely astounding uh, how they managed to make the transitions between frames extremely smooth for a piece of stop-motion animation it seriously looks like it's 3d CGI animation because it is just so smooth and another example uh, that again uses one method and results in another is Klaus Klaus is a film uh, that uses illustrated animation but the entire film looks as if it's uh, rendered using 3D CGI animation 
and there is and the reason behind this is very interesting in my opinion because apparently uh, they started off with basic colored illustration illustrations uh, such as usual for a typical 2d illustrated animation but uh, they added the input of a software that they specifically created for this purpose uh, and this software sort of changes or alters the lightings in each frames to make it look like 3d CGI animation of course uh, this was first uh, sort of created or uh, adapted using the input of actual artists who uh, sort of altered frames to look like 3D CGI animation and eventually the software learned from this uh, and input it into an, its algorithm to better learn and eventually it was able to do the or the whole or most of the film uh, by itself and this again resulted in the sort of look of 3D CGI animation but say if you pause the movie uh, then you would be able to see that it is clearly just a illustrated frame but have them all piled up together and put in sequential matter then it looks it really really looks like 3D CGI animation uh, another film that comes to mind is the Lego Movie, because apparently the Lego Movie is made fully using CGI, and I don't know if you've seen the Lego Movie, but uh, it looks like stop motion using Legos, but in reality, again, it's just all CGI, and what's astounding about this movie is the attention to detail that they put. Uh, into the making of this because they they truly put like the textures and logos that are typically found in a real Lego brick onto the film and they even went so far as to create the textures of fingerprints onto Lego pieces to make it as realistic as possible it's astounding the amount of detail they put into this film and also the good writing, in my opinion, of the Lego movie. Uh, and the final example I want to mention is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, they use, again, uh, 3D CGI animation, but uh, they give off the sort of feel that it's sort of a mix between 2D and 3D animation uh, because it looks it, well in my opinion it looks like simply a, say 1980s comic book that has been animated and well I don't it doesn't look like a typical 2D animation either because obviously uh, of the lighting that that can be rendered from 3D CGI animation but, but at the same time, uh, it doesn't look fully 3D because, again, of the elements of 2D, of actual illustrated 2D animation put in there. And 
don't know the way they achieve this is very artistically astounding and genius in my opinion uh, because similar to the Klaus movie they used software that learned from the input of actual artists to sort of draw or render uh, expression lines onto the uh, characters that make it appear in a more stylistic kind of way to make it look 2D rather than fully 3D uh, CGI rendered. And not only that, uh, but uh, they also added uh, simply 2D illustrations for some of the special effects. Uh, such as the what they call the Kirby Dots uh, because I believe this was named after uh, Jack Kirby uh, the person who created Marvel Comics along with Stan Lee I believe and in 1980s comics uh, these Kirby Dots were very recognizable and they were they basically became an icon of comics, uh, specifically Marvel comics, and the creators of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse really wanted to capture this, so for most of the effects such as uh, beams shooting in the film, or simply just uh, effects for, any, for most things in general, they used illustrated 2D Kirby dots and added it onto the footage of the 3D animation. And another interesting element of animation that they utilized in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film is, the, is actually the topic that I will be talking about, frame rates. Uh, because apparently they purposely made it look a bit choppy uh, to again give it the feel of say an animated 1980s comic book but also to they also utilize frame rates to sort of represent uh, the character or the character arc of the main character which is miles morales and in the start of the film he starts off very nervous and very uh, say new to the whole spider being spider-man thing and of course uh, this makes him very nervous, very little knowing uh, compared to the other Spider-Men and Spider-Women that were in there who uh, by their own respects were very experienced in being Spider-Man. And, and the way they utilize the frameworks is genius in my opinion because they purposely made uh, not only Miles's frame rate lower, slightly lower, but also they sort of uh, made purposely made it out of sync uh, with the other characters uh, again to represent his character arc. And eventually, as the film goes on, by the end of the film, uh, his frame rate matches that of the other main characters that are more experienced in being Spider Man. And that brings me to the next topic, 60 FPS, because purposely utilizing uh, low or high frame rates 
for the Into the Spider-Verse film. It, it's again, again, it's a very genius artistic move. Uh, and I think that using 60 FPS frame rate, uh, 60 FPS software would have sort of ruined that utilization of frame rates. Uh, speaking of which, I will be talking about how 60 FPS software works. So, 60 FPS software, uh, again, uh, it's very similar to uh, algorithmic software that learns from input. Uh, and the way it works is basically taking uh, one frame, it, it takes one frame from, say, a scene, uh, and also the next frame after that, and from these two frames, sort of builds an in-between frame uh, that will fill the gap to make it 60 FPS. Because uh, in most footage, uh, it is typically 24 to at the very most uh, 30 FPS or 50 FPS if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and 60 FPS software again just fills in these gaps using the input of the already provided frames. And usually, because this is simply software and not actual human input, the frames that it creates sort of have a bit of blur in between because, again, it is not intelligent enough to actually produce. Uh, say clean frames and that is actually the problem with most 60 FPS software uh, that it just sort of fills in the gaps with motion blur it sort of just takes a frame and blurs it and that's sort of it uh, but there is one particular 60 FPS software uh, called depth aware video frame interpolation and interpolation is again just filling in the gaps between frames uh, or this software is Dane for short and Dane seems to be very intelligent and doesn't seem to have a lot of this problem with motion blur and I think that's very interesting uh, I think that's very interesting how that works but I'm not quite sure specifically how it works but again, uh, it's very interesting because most of the time it creates correct frames uh, to fill in in between, uh, unlike again most other 60 FPS software. <clears throat> and because of this, uh, the results of Dane are very very smooth. Say, uh, I'm pretty sure you can watch a clip of uh, the old Tom and Jerry in comparison to uh, that very same scene inputted into Dane, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can find that on YouTube and you can see the, the difference in results. And again, this makes that piece of animation very smooth. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know, in my opinion, it sort of eliminates the charm of the whole Tom and Jerry cartoon because 
uh, to me, like the like cartoons have their own sort of novelty with having a not so high frame rate, especially old ones uh, where the frame rates were lower. And I think this creates a sort of novelty in them where it really feels like uh, people really put effort and time into the making of these animations. Because, I don't know, uh, like say compare Compare, say, a handcrafted product uh, from back in the days uh, with a factory-produced product today. I'm sure, I'm sure you would feel a sort of novelty in that handcrafted product compared to a factory-produced product today. And to me, the low FPS of old cartoons sort of have that novelty. Uh, and. Its effects, 60 FPS software effects on a modern day 2D animation, uh, again, in my opinion, sort of have similar effects because the low frame rates uh, of uh, pieces of animation sort of have like a feeling that people actually put time and effort into making these pieces of animation. Whereas I feel 60 FPS would be far too smooth and look a bit inorganic in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, just see for yourself uh, and I think I think you would understand because adding 60 FPS to pieces of animation uh, sort of makes it look a bit inorganic and not animated uh, using the traditional way. Uh, that is drawing frame per frame and well that is just its effect on 2d animation uh, but moving on uh, I don't think it makes much of a difference in 3d CGI animation because again uh, 3d CGI animation is rendered entirely on a computer so the frame rates are really only limited to the computing power or perhaps uh, creators also want to make a film have purposely have slow frame rates such as again uh, the use of CGI in the Lego movie because again as I mentioned the Lego movie looks entirely stop-motion uh, and part of this is because Again, uh, the low frame rates that stop motion animations usually have. And I think putting 60 FPS software on, say, the Lego movie would completely ruin the feel of just uh, like similar to stop motion animation of that film. And again, as I mentioned, uh, genius films such as Into the Spider-Verse where they utilize every where they utilize a lot including frame rates I, I don't think 60 FPS software would work very well on that again because they purposely used low frame rates to represent the arc of a character whereas in say claymation uh, I don't think it does very well in claymation because 
Playmation has much lower frame rates compared to CGI and 2D illustrated animations. And I think even intelligent software such as Dane uh, does not fill it well, at least for some parts. And again, I think having very smooth transitions uh, between frames would sort of ruin the feel of stop-motion animation because, again, one of the charms of stop-motion animation is the choppy frame rate. And even if, uh, say, the choppy frame rates uh, were to be smoothed out, such as uh, the earlier example, Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, I think even Kubo and the Two Strings still has uh, quite low animation, or at least, uh, say, low FPS as low as illustrated animation, which are typically just 24 FPS. And again, like, I think 60 FPS after would just ruin the charm of a lot of 2D. Uh, 2D and stop-motion animation, and I don't know, for films, for CGI animated films such as, I don't know, uh, maybe Frozen or maybe Coco, I don't, like, they're not meant to specifically utilize frame rates to give a certain feel, and I've seen examples of 60fps being put on them, and it doesn't really make much of a difference, uh, at least to me, in terms of the looks or feeling of the animation because again uh, the frame rates of CGI animation really depends on uh, the individual creators and producers of that 3D CGI animation because it's entirely done on computer and I don't know it, it doesn't make much of a difference for films such as those because they are not meant to have low frame rates to give a certain feel or anything. And but using it on uh, 2D animation is, uh, again, in my opinion, sort of ruins the feel of uh, time and effort being put into those pieces of animation. Uh, but that's just my opinion, to be honest. Uh, you know, uh, some people or some artists may have different opinions. Uh, than me. But uh, one interesting topic on 2D animation and 60fps software I want to talk about is actually uh, the difference between its results on anime and western animation. Uh, because anime focuses, anime focuses a lot more on uh, the aesthetics uh, of animation the aesthetics and cinematics of animation, whereas, uh, in my opinion, Western animation focuses more on uh, the motion of animation, or at least, uh, say, old pieces of animation such as the Disney films did. Because uh, if you compare Disney films back then to, say, anime now, you can clearly see a difference in motion with uh, those Disney films being a lot more fluid and bouncy with their movements, whereas uh, anime is, I wouldn't say stiff, but a lot less 
detailed in their movements and definitely less bouncy uh, than, say, Disney films. And uh, the input of 60 FPS software uh, into Western animation, uh, I think it doesn't have, it doesn't give as much of a different feel uh, as it does on anime. It does still take away the feeling of time and effort being put into these films because again it looks it looks so smooth uh, that it looks completely like computer animated uh, using a similar technique such as tweening and tweening is basically just uh, it's basically just software filling in animation uh, a good example of this would be using say Adobe Flash, where you can basically just take uh, an object and say place it to the far left side of a frame and take that same object and place it to the far right and you can use the tweeting feature in Adobe Flash to sort of <coughs> make it fill to sort of make it fill the animation or transition in between those two frames where the object moves from the left to the right. And of course, because of this, you can choose, you can sort of choose the frame rates. And of course, you can choose 60 FPS, which makes it very, very smooth. But because of this, I feel like it takes away from the uh, organic feel of 2D animation. Because if you make it very, very smooth or like almost perfect, uh, I think that kind of takes away the flaws and or get and the feeling of organicness uh, in 2D animation, and I I don't know. Um, it doesn't again. It doesn't have as much of an impact as those that are meant to be smooth and fluid. And the difference, like uh, the difference in use. Uh, in Western animation and anime is that anime again it doesn't focuses as it doesn't focus as much on motion as uh, Western animation and again it focuses more on being very cinematic and aesthetically pleasing and detailed and I've seen the use of 60 FPS software in a few anime and anime the animation of anime has a certain style to it where each frame is sort of extremely detailed and I feel like 60fps software can't really catch up or capture all the details and it ends up just sort of making motion blur uh, in between frames. Uh, even though, say, motion blur, motion blur lines are already typically uh, put in the in-between frames of anime, which makes it, which makes the input of 60fps software a lot more off-putting, uh, because uh, in anime those sort of motion blurs have lines drawn into them, whereas motion blur created by 60fps software is quite literally just taking a frame and blurring it uh, 
using some sort of filter. And I feel like its impact on anime is a lot more drastic than Western animation because of this reason. Uh, again, like anime is meant to be a lot more cinematic and aesthetically pleasing than Western, an at least old Western animation. And I feel like uh, the input of it is quite. Uh, I would say incorrect because again there are some details it can't capture so I don't think so I don't think uh, 60 FPS software is very good on uh, 2d animation and especially anime but again just 2d animation in general uh, because again it just creates sort of motion blurs for details it can't capture. Uh, one, one particular anime uh, that I've uh, seen a drastic change of uh, when using 60fps software is uh, God of High School because God of High School God of High School already has a lot of uh, motion blur frames uh, like motion blur drawn frames uh, in it in its animation. Uh, because it is a mostly action anime, has a lot of fast-paced movements, so of course motion blur would be put into these frames, would be purposely drawn into these frames to make it look like an object is fast-moving. And I feel like the input of 60fps software, again, just sort of adds blur in between these frames and makes it a very and makes it very off-putting along with also sort of slowing the impact of that moving object because uh, again these 60 these 60 frames per second like that's a lot to process uh, not only for uh, whatever is playing that footage but also for our eyes to process so I think that sort of lessens the impact of, say, a fast-paced moving object uh, in animation. So, in general, I think I think for uh, like I think for say 3D CGI animation that aren't meant to have a certain or fixed slow frame rate, I think that's I think it's a very good use of 60fps software. Uh, because it doesn't, at least in my opinion, doesn't create much of a difference uh, in terms of artistic feel. And in some cases of 2D animation, uh, I think it also improves the animation a lot. Uh, but again, in 2D animation, it sort of takes away the feel of uh, the animation being hand-drawn frame per frame but perhaps some people wouldn't mind that as a trade-off to the animation looking extremely smooth but for animations specifically such as stop-motion animation I don't I you know I, I don't think that is a good use at all because again stop-motion animation only is only distinct and only looks that way uh, because 
of the choppy or low FPS. And with 2D animation, again, as I've mentioned, some pieces would work uh, with the trade-off of, say, the feeling of, uh, of it being hand-drawn. But I don't think it is a good use at all uh, for 2D animation such as anime, because again, like anime has a very fixed stylized uh, look to it, and I don't think 60fps software is intelligent yet enough uh, to sort of make this smooth, and again, I don't think 60fps software in uh, fast-moving 2D illustrated animations would be good because it just sort of lessens the impact of that fast-moving object. So that is just my general opinion on the use of 60fps software and you know who knows uh, with the appearance of Dane uh, maybe you know 60fps software can evolve further to perhaps eliminate motion blur completely or perhaps that same motion blur can be utilized to make another stylized piece of animation. Who knows? Because uh, those motion blurs do sort of make animation seem a bit jelly-like and very bouncy in my opinion. So who knows, maybe, maybe that very same motion blur uh, from 60fps software can be utilized to make a stylized piece of animation. Uh, or maybe eventually 60fps software will evolve even further to have more intelligent output. But that just about concludes my discussion on animation and 60fps software. Thank you for listening.